Hello, we are glad you're listening to this message by Dr. M. Oladoin Odubanjo. You are sure to receive God's whole counsel for your life, family, work, and all that concerns you in these contemporary times. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, the second chapter. And I was um, thinking last week when we left, and I thought if that's your, if it was uh, your first time, don't afraid. Amen. Don't be afraid. There's somebody called the Holy Ghost. We believe in Him. Amen. We welcome Him in our midst. Hallelujah. And uh, when He moves in such ways, it's such a blessing. If you are not sure, ask the people who, so to speak, were directly involved. And they'll tell you how much of a blessing he was to them by moving that way. Amen. So if you see somebody who, who collapsed under God's power, ask him. Ask him. Even if he fell and he hit the ground, bam, and you think, ah, ask him. Ask him after. And say, yeah, how is that your back? You know, and he will tell you it's not paining him. How is your hand? You fell on the hand. He will tell you it's not paining him. Amen. Hallelujah. And he will tell you rather that the Lord has turned his life around. Colossians chapter 2. Are you there? We'll read the sixth, from the sixth verse, six and seven verses actually. It says, As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Actually, I, I want to before today and the next time that I speak on a Sunday, just uh, speak a bit on what I've called the lessons that I've learned in my work with God. Uh, so basically, it's not a strong, deep theological uh, message or teaching. I'm not trying to uh, do some deep exposition, but I'm just trying to show you some basic things that I've learned over the years in my work with God that seem to be essential for anybody who is serious with God. Uh, that if, you're serious, if you are serious and you really want to know God uh, and you really want to walk with God, then there are certain things that over the years, I, I got saved 25 years ago, if I'm right, 1988. And uh, over that period of time, I've learned a few things. You know, uh, if I didn't learn anything in 25 years, I must be a dollar, isn't it? You know, so, but in 25 years, uh, I've learned a few things. So, uh, many of you have heard before, I was saved kneeling down in my room on my own, uh, having been preached to, but I didn't remember, uh, but then having been struck by the life of another gentleman uh, who, with whom I was, in, uh, I was attending some lessons, after school lessons. And uh, I got home, and I knelt down, and I prayed to God, that God, whatever this guy has, I want it, you know. Uh, if it's Jesus, I want Jesus, I want to be saved, and I got saved. Uh, the, the, the part of that that perhaps matters is the fact that he did not know that I prayed that prayer, because I also did not go back the next day to tell him that I did that. Uh, and nobody knew that I did that because, in, in a sense, uh, nobody directly preached to me except this guy, and I even forgot that he did preach to me. You know, so I had no clue about what we call follow-up. I had no clue about any of the nice Bible, I mean, church things that we do today, and I was not followed up by anybody. Okay, so I, from there, I had to move and go from stage to step, stage, I mean, step to uh, step by step, 
in my walk with God and finding out things as it were, not entirely by myself, but with no direct supervision. That is that nobody, in a sense, had knew particularly that this guy had done this, and so we are going to teach him what he needs to do uh, in order to follow God, in order to stay with God, in order to continue to be saved, you know, and all of that. And sometimes when people give an excuse and they say, well, it's because I was not followed up, I smile because I think to myself, no, it's because you are not desirous of God enough. Uh, are you with me? Because if you are serious enough with God, you actually don't need anybody calling you up and following you up, trying to find out uh, why you, you won't be in church or whatever, you know. People ought to know. You ought to be in church because you are not there because of me. You are not there because of anybody else. You are there because you actually want to go with God. You are following God. And, and you have a hunger in your heart to know God. Can I have an amen? amen. You know, so that's how that began. I, I mean, again, in some fellowship. I was going to an Anglican church in those days, and uh, we would go to church, you know, carrying our hymn books, and I would remember very well, we had virtually an hymn book for everybody. Uh, we were seven uh, in our family, I mean, my father and mother, five children, and we had a hymn book for everybody, uh, but we would go to church with one Bible. So it was one Bible and virtually seven hymn books, if you know what I mean. You know, so the hymns seemed to be more important, as it were, uh, than the word of God for us, but that's how it was. So we'll go there, and uh, there is what we call there was the main church building itself, and there was the extension, as it was called, you know. And we would we arrive, our parents would head to, to the main auditorium, we would head straight to the extension. So whether the building was full or not, the extension was where we were going to sit, you know. And we'll sit in the extension, which is where everybody would gist, uh, all the young people were in the extension and sometimes strolling around. And those were also the age of when we had that sticker that says, I have found it. How many people know that sticker? Yeah, yeah, the, the sticker, I have found it. I have found it. It was everywhere. I have found it. I have found it. I have found it. What have you found? We don't know. But I have found it. Amen. Hallelujah. So, we we'll sit in the extension and um, we, we would hardly listen to anything because we're all just in a way anyway. Uh, but then over time, I mean, what, what I'm just trying to paint to you is a picture of just a young boy who knew nothing and was just having fun in his life as it were, until someday the Lord stopped me in my tracks. And when he did, I knew I needed a change. I knew I wanted the Lord. I knew that I wanted to grow. Uh, and over the past 25 years, it has been a nice, uh, uh, fantastic journey, an odyssey as we will call it, which means a long journey. You know, so it has been a, a fantastic journey in which time I have learned a number of things. Of course, I've moved. I've been in one or two other churches uh, before, which are Pentecostal churches since then. Uh, I've been in the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship uh, before, attending my mother. I've been in some fellowship, you know, Pentecostal fellowship, which we used to attend in the evening. Uh, and of course, I've also been in some that are not very desirable either, that uh, I won't say by name, but again, I've told you a few stories every now and then, you know. So, but then over that time, there are a few things that I have come to know. That if you are a believer and you are serious and you really want to know God, because one of the things I'm discovering is that there are too many things that God has for us that too many of us are never going to get into until we are buried in the ground. Are you hearing me? One of the things that I have made up my mind about is that if God has a hundred things for me, I want all hundred. I don't want to spare one. I don't want ninety-nine. Almost will not do it for me. I almost knew the Lord. I, it won't do it for me. Almost never cuts it. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Please look at your neighbor. Say, almost is not good enough. Have you ever seen anybody who almost passed the exam? 
You understand what I'm saying? The cutoff is 50. He got 49.5. He almost passed the exam. But he has to repeat. That he got 49.5 is no consolation. <laughs> if anything, it is even more painful. That 0.5 is the reason why he is staying behind. It's far more painful. It's better to have had 30. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if God has a hundred things for me, I want a hundred. I don't want 99. I don't want 98. I want all of the hundred. Somebody said one of the biggest pains that anybody will ever feel is to stand before the Lord on that day and discover all of the things that you could have had, but you didn't. Discover that this is what God meant for your life, but it wasn't. Discover that, oh, God was, would have provided this for you. God would have used you in this way and all of that, but it didn't happen. He said that pain of regret is going to be the most painful pain you've ever felt in your life. So we have a number of things I'm going to talk about. Number one is the hunger. I discovered that if you really must go with God, you must be hungry. In fact, if anything, I, 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 if, if I were to choose one, I have about ten things, but if I were to choose one, to be the most important, I will talk about it as the hunger that you have for God. Because it's going to drive everything else. I think we have too many satisfied people. People who are satisfied with where they are, satisfied with their work with God, satisfied as long as they wake up every day, they are still alive, as long as they go to work, as long as they have food to eat, they are just okay. As long as they can read our daily bread and get one tiny revelation from one verse, are you hearing what I'm saying? They are just okay. Too many satisfied believers. There's a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber. Okay, but by the time Smith Wigglesworth was over, by the time he was done, at age 56, he entered the gospel ministry. By the time Smith Wigglesworth was done, he had raised at least eight people from the dead. At least because eight people were the documented ones. That is the ones that they had, a, they had somebody who was qualified enough to certify that that person really died. There were other people that he raised from the dead, but they didn't have any such certification. You get what I'm saying? So, there were at least eight people that they were sure of that these people died, a doctor certified dead, and this guy raised them from the dead. What did I say? He was a plumber. Are you there? He was a plumber until he could not plumb anymore because people were busy calling him, come and minister here, come and minister there, and he was failing all his appointments on plumbing. So, he would tell you, I'm coming to fix your toilet tomorrow, but by tomorrow he's gone off to preach somewhere, and then eventually he had to say, you know what, I'm not plumbing anymore. Are you there? Smith Wigglesworth began. It was his wife that was a preacher. He couldn't even read. He couldn't even read. He was an illiterate plumber. He could not read at all. His wife was a preacher, the Bible teacher. Smith Wigglesworth was just there looking. And then one day he got so desperate enough, he heard that there was revival somewhere, and he traveled to the place. That he wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he got there, and after some time, it seemed like nothing was happening to him. He got up and he, he went to see the pastor's wife there in the house, in the parsonage, just to tell her that, look, I'm going home. You know, I'm done. I'm going back home. And the lady, you know, said, oh, okay, well, you're going. Uh, let me just pray for you. And as she prayed for him, the Lord hit him hard and filled him with the Holy Ghost. And revival started in his life. So Jesus wrote back to his wife and said, man, something's happening here. The woman said, I don't believe you. When I see, I will know. By the time he arrived, and he said, oh, the God, God has filled me, God has filled me. You know why? Because of a hunger, desperation. The woman said, okay, if that's the case, you preach on Sunday. I'm going to sit down. Let's watch you preach. By the time he was done, the woman was shaking on her chair. I said, that's not my smith. That is not my smith. Are you there? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Spiritual Ghost made a statement. He said, I pray that 
I will be satisfied with a dissatisfaction that needs to be satisfied over and over again. <laughs> if you understand that prayer. I pray that I will be satisfied or filled with a dissatisfaction that needs to be satisfied over and over again. And I'm praying for you this morning that you will be filled with a dissatisfaction that needs to be satisfied over and over again in the name of Jesus. We have too many satisfied believers. People are not really looking for anything anymore. They don't really need God. I mean, their life is working. You know what I'm talking about. Their life is working. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, look at verse 6. It said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for what? They shall be filled. It is they that hunger and thirst that shall be filled. Not everybody. Not everybody. It is the ones that hunger and thirst after righteousness that shall be what? Filled. Go to Isaiah 44. It's the same way, you know, that, that uh, I've watched it. Sometimes when God is moving, you, are, you go to a meeting here, there, and all of that. And I've asked God the question, how come sometimes some people just don't receive? And listen, the bottom line is their hunger. That's the bottom line. If you don't believe me, look in your Bible. The Bible says that Jesus Christ had the Spirit without measure. Hmm? But we saw many instances where that power was available, but people were not getting it. Mark chapter 5, there was, the people were thronging him, meaning they were all crowding him, they were touching him, pressing him left, right and center, but nobody was getting healed, nothing was happening to any of them, until one woman, who had the issue of blood for 12 years, came in, struggled, pressed through the crowd, and she could only barely manage to touch the hem of his garment. She couldn't even reach him completely. She just barely managed with his hand to touch the hem, and when she did, he was, she was healed. And Jesus had to stop and say, who touched me? And they wondered, what's he talking about? Because what he was saying, he said, all the people are trunking you, they're all touching you, and you're saying, who touched me? What do you mean? What he meant was that somebody is touching me with faith, somebody is touching me with expectation, somebody is touching me who is hungry for something. Somebody just touched me who really said something. And that's why even though the power was all over him, he flowed in just one direction. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, as Jesus was teaching, the power of God was present to heal. Present with a deliberate function, to heal. But the tragedy, nobody was healed. Okay? Until they brought one man, and the people who brought the man said, couldn't even enter the building, because the building was too crowded. So they had to go up on the roof, they removed the roof, and they released the man through the roof to the front of Jesus. That was the only man that was healed. Even though the Bible began by telling us that as he taught, the power of God was present to heal, and nobody was here. Why? Hunger. Are you there? Isaiah 44, are you there? Look at verse 3. He said, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So it's going to pour on who? He that is hungry. That's the point. Are you there? That's the point. That your hunger is what is going to draw God to you. Guess what it says in James chapter 4, I believe verse 8. It says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. There's something about your hunger that would make God draw close to you. That hunger will drive you to do certain things and it will pull God therefore towards you. Are you there? That hunger 
drove me many years ago. You know, like I said, I got saved, no direct follow-up or any of that. But as I went to places, as I attended meetings, as I met the Pentecostals or Pentecostals or whatever, you know, as I got in there and I met them, I began to see people who knew God. Or at least I thought they did. They had what I wanted to have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I listened because the secret of men are in their stories. I found out they would talk about how they spent time praying. They had to wake up early in the day. So I began to wake up early in the day. I was waking up at 4 a.m. Are you hearing me? Waking up at 4 a.m. to pray, 4 to 6. At 6 a.m., my father would wake up with his own bell. And, you know, bag him all over the house and call everybody to come and pray. But by that time, I had two hours in God's presence. Are you with me? Holiday, irrespective. So, meaning that whether we're on holiday, you know when people say, ah, tomorrow is holiday. Ah, okay. So that means that they won't wake, wake up until 10 a.m. I was still up at 4. What holiday meant for us was that we had more time in God's presence. In fact, there was a time there was a break, you know, some kind of strike or something when we were in school, in the university. And the first day, we looked for one of our friends. I had a, a group of very rascally, pentarascally friends. You know, they just love God. They are hungry people. So one day we, we got up, you know, and we were looking for one of us and we couldn't find this guy. We looked everywhere with new auto. There was no GSM, so you don't call anybody like that, you know. So we, we looked everywhere we could. We couldn't find this guy. And sometime around evening time, this guy showed up. So we asked him, we said, where have you been? And he told us he had been at the chapel praying. From when, I'm talking about you woke up at dawn and somebody was gone. Till evening. Guess what happened the next day? Everybody disappeared. <laughs> I went to pray. They are, is the only that will grab God? Are you with me? I'm talking about your hunger. Please look at your neighbor and say, are you hungry enough? Because that's going to be the determinant. Are you there? That will be the determinant. That, that's going to determine whether you do the things you need to. The fact that you are just there sleeping and you say, ah, it's so difficult to wake up ready to pray. You are not hungry enough. That's what it is. Because when there is something driving you, you have something ahead of you. Listen, the, the Bible says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. There was a cross, but he endured it. It was a cross to begin to wake up at 4 a.m. I won't lie to you, it wasn't that easy. It's not as if I just said I'll be waking up at 4 a.m. and I began to wake up. No, I began to wake up with alarm clocks. Then when you wake up with alarm clock, you go and wash your face and wash your face and wash your face. So that you could stay awake and it was tough. At first you pray a little bit, you look and say, I must have done about two hours, but it's 15 minutes. But I had a goal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I had something I had set my heart on. I wanted God. Are you there? You know, bad enough at the point I changed it to 3 a.m. So 3 to 6. I changed that back to 4. For health reasons. I began to think, I don't think this is good. Are you still there? And why we go back early? Because of course, by the time everybody is up, things are happening all around you. People will call you for something or the other. They, don't, they, don't have, they won't know, most of the time, to respect you are doing something. So I knew your safest time to just have by yourself is that kind of time. Somebody else said, well, you will wake up at midnight and pray till two every day. Talking about desperate people. How badly do you want it? Are you there? 
It's the same thing that, that, that has driven and has been behind everything. Like I said, perhaps this is the most important point. Perhaps this is the most important. Because everything else is, is based upon it. When we say, go to church. You don't go to church. You go, you miss church sometimes. It's not convenient. Uh, you don't wake up to pray. It's not very convenient. Uh, you don't study your Bible. It's not so convenient. Uh, all of those things, all that inconvenience is simply because there is no hunger driving you. Otherwise, all of those excuses just disappear. Are you there? They disappear. If you know the things, I, I mean, time will not permit. There are many, 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 many stories of not just me, but of other people that I know personally and what they have done in their pursuit of God. But what I found out is that nobody gets God unintentionally. Are you there? That is just by being passive. You are just sitting there. You are just doing your own thing. It's just going to happen. No, it, it won't happen. You must have made up your mind that I'm hungry for God. I'm going to pursue God. Remember what the psalmist wrote? He said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. That's what you ought to be able to sing. So my soul longs after you. Hallelujah. Number two, I discovered that the word is essential. Can I hear you say the word is essential? No way. There's no way. No way. There's no way. There's no two way about it that you are going to grow. There's no two way about it that you have a fruitful work with God that you will not have to pay a lot of attention to God's word. Give God's word priority place in your life. There's absolutely no way you can do it. Go to First Peter 2. First Peter 2. So remember number one, you must be desperate. Desperately hungry. For God. If there's anything you need to go back and fix, is that hunger? You want to pray, go pray it. And say, God, I, 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 I'm hungry for you. You know, as I moved on with God, I, began, I would pray and I would say to God, I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. Amen? And the ordinary Christian is the one to whom you can be indifferent. So the guy is a Christian in your environment and you can be indifferent. It doesn't make a difference that he's anything. You know, his presence makes no difference. I was listening to Bill Johnson recently, and he talked about how the, a shop owner, where he usually shops, the man called him one day and said, there's something about you. Every time you step in this place, the atmosphere changes. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. That he said, there's something about you. Every time you come around, something, we don't know what it is, but there's something. Somebody said that everywhere you go, you should make people either mad, sad, or glad. But they should not be indifferent. Being indifferent is an insult to who you are in Christ. Are you there? So when you are not around, and they don't notice you are not around, ah, no, that's not good. Almost like when you miss appointments, and somebody says, ah, I'm sorry I missed the appointment. I say, why? And they say, I forgot. Eesh. It's one of the worst. You say, oh, I got so busy. Oh, something came up. Oh. But that it just didn't feature means that whatever we were meant to meet for just wasn't important at all to you. You know what? Because that hunger <laughs> got to a place where I could wake up without the alarm clock. You know, I could wake up without it. At 4 a.m., I'll get up. My body knew it had to get up. It had been trained. It had been disciplined. It knew that this guy, no matter how tired he was, he would 
more than likely, will still batter me and push me and make me get up. So my body knew, just get up before the guy begins to harass you. Are you there? Somebody say, what's he talking about? I'm talking spirit, soul, and body. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Are you there? You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. I'm not teaching that this morning. Just note it. Put it there in the file. Amen? That you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. First Peter 2. Verse 1. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. If only we can do verse 1. How wonderful would we be? Amen? As newborn babes desire the pure milk. I know that scripture says the sincere milk. Desire the pure milk of the word. That word? That you may grow thereby. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Remember what I'm saying. Number two is that the word of God is essential. There's, you can't be anything without that word. The word of God is essential. So I've discovered in those 25 years, if you are going to grow, if you are going to know God, and, and, and I remember some time ago I, I taught something somewhere that I talked about appropriate growth. So it's not just growing, it's appropriate growth. You know, some people, are, are they, they say they've grown, they've become stillites in the Lord, but it's not appropriate because all, all of their growth is outside God's word. Are you there? I said, are you there? Don't worry, I can also speak a bit. My grandfather was senior man in CNS. Second Timothy 3, verse 16. He said, all scripture, can I hear you say all scripture? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, not talking about the pastor, but you and I, so that the man of God, and can I hear you say the woman of God too? Okay, so I can be politically correct. So that the man and the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. One says so that it may be perfect. So there is no growth, First Peter 2, there is no appropriate growth, Second Timothy 3, that this word is what we were given for that growth, for that completion. That word is something you cannot avoid. If you must have a fruitful work, I mean work with God, there is no way you can avoid your Bible. And I'm not talking about just coming to church and listening to what people say, you know, and, uh, and then you forget. You know, some people they forget the Bible in the church and they won't remember until next Sunday. When they're about to come to church, then they start searching for their Bible. You know, uh, that's, ah, ah, did I, didn't I bring it? Uh, are you there? You know, I can almost, almost, you see this, this nice tattered Bible, I put glue here. You know, I put glue here before. Uh, but as nicely tattered as it is, if I don't take this particular Bible with me, it's a problem. That is, if I travel somewhere and I forgot this particular Bible. Now, I don't even remember. It hasn't happened to me. In, I don't remember if it ever happened to me. Okay, but if I didn't take this Bible that I'm reading like this, you have caused problem. That, oh, give, give, take a Bible. It, it doesn't work. Because there is a reference system that only me, I understand, inside this one. Are you hear what I'm saying? But that's how essential it is. And I'm telling you, in a few hours maximum, by the next day, next morning, I know that there is a serious problem on hand. 
and as, it's as serious as it might drive to go and get it. You know, many of us will go back for our mobile phones. If we left home and we forgot our mobile phones, we will go back to get it. How many people will go back to get their Bibles? Don't worry, if you just keep looking straight, smiling, like it definitely can be you I'm talking about, okay? And nobody will know. Alright? Are you there? So, that Bible is absolutely essential. That has driven me for, in all of those years, to read the Bible through usually at least once every year. Second Timothy 3 was talking about it and he said, all scripture. Can I hear you say all scripture? So not just Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, nine stories of Jesus, but including Leviticus. Amen? Micah. Abakuk. Exodus. Zephaniah. How many people know where Zephaniah is? Maybe we should do a Bible quiz. And say, who can open to Zephaniah chapter 2? We see the first person to open. Are you there? Who can open Jude chapter 2? Very quickly. One, two, go. There's no Jude chapter 2. Don't let me, don't let me catch you there and expose you. <laughs> Amen? But I'm talking about your Bible must be your friend. Colossians 3.16. He said, let the word of God dwell richly in you. Let the word of God dwell richly, richly, in abundance. You know, let, let, let yourselves become like sponges that have soaked in God's word so much that no matter where we press you, God's word is what we come out. Have you ever seen that, spoon, uh, that foam sponge? When you dip it inside the thing like that, when you press, the thing will come out. That's the way we ought to be. We ought to have soaked in God's word so much that when life presses you, at any place, in any point on your body, it should bring out God's word from you. Are you there? Pressure at work, pressure at home, uh, pressure with finances. God's word should be what is coming out. And it is possible. Can I hear you say it's possible? You can be so full of God's word that your first reaction is what God's word said. God's word works. You need to be so full of God's word that when something is happening around you, the first thing that occurs to you is what does the Bible say? The word of God should be coming out of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look, and I found out that there's nobody, nobody that gets any leverage with God that doesn't behave that way with God's word. I mean, when Pastor B.J. Nibano got saved, I remember he would come to the office then and he would just collect the key, go and open the door, sit down in my office, and he would start listening to all the tips that had been recorded before he joined the fellowship. He would sit down with it, open his Bible, he had a jotter. I remember very well, in those days it was tips, so he would put the radio like this, he would sit down, he would start listening and be writing down. You don't get far with God without giving his word regard. Because even he, the Bible says, he has exalted his word above his name. Psalm 138 verse 2. He has exalted his word even above his name. You will not get far with him except you pay attention to that word. And you give that word regard. Read Isaiah 66. He said, look, the, I, I own the whole world. He said, so where is the thing you want to build for me? Or is it the money you want to give me? He said, but this is to him to whom I am going to look. He said, it's the man who trembles at my word. The guy who has great regard for my word. Are you there? I said, are you there? Listen, this book was written to be understood. Okay? So don't be afraid. I won't understand it's a lie. You will keep understanding more and more each time you start reading it again. 
I've read it, like I've said, at least for 25 years. Before then, we were praying in the house, we were reading it and all of that. I read it in Yoruba for how many years? And then I've been reading it in English and all of that. So I've read it severally. I've tried reading it in French. But I'm still seeing new things that I've never seen before in that world. Are you hear what I'm saying? I'm still understanding things better. So don't be afraid. I don't understand. Listen, now if I think that I'm beginning to understand it, you can imagine what it must have felt like 25 years ago. But it was still a blessing then, but it's just much more of a blessing now. As I understood more. Are you hear what I'm saying? You can't joke with the word. You want to have a fruitful work with God? Then sit down with God's word. You got to replace. Sometimes I'll joke with people like, oh, because I will listen to tapes. I listen to messages when I'm driving. I, I mean, at one point, you know, because people knew I like music a lot. You know, but at a point, I wasn't even listening to music when I was driving anymore. It was just messages, messages, messages. I wanted God's word to fill me. If I would joke with some people, sometimes I'd say I'm hungry. And I'm hungry means I need messages. I want to get more tapes and things to listen to. I'm just hungry for God's word. Are you there? You know, at a point also, because all these claims also, if I don't have time, I'm so busy and all of that is a lie. When you are desperate enough, you will do what you have to do. At a point I was, I was running, I, I, I was selling egg ties for my mom at New Baggy Market in Ibadan. You know, so Ed Thai is gilly. Ed Thai is a nice English way to put it, gilly. You know, and all the ladies now don't wear gilly anymore. You know, so they are, they are running down that business. You know, but in those days, I, I would go and sell at New Baggy Market when she was not around, and I would sit in New Baggy Market. You know, she had another shop girl and things, and I would just sit down there from morning till afternoon, you know, selling egg ties. I would sell Jubilee, sell Ace, uh, uh, several of those things, so the ladies know what I'm talking about, you know, and even the, those are the senior gillies, uh, the junior ones were still there, you know, the super mint uh, and all of that, but so, that's just proof for you that I was there <laughs> amen, so but I will share the time, but guess what people are not always in the shop, so I will carry my Bible and I will read, and read and read till I fall asleep reading the Bible are you there? there's always a way if you really want to do it. There is listening when you are going to work. There is putting it now on your phone. Am I right? I mean, today we can put it on our phones, thank goodness. So there is nothing like, I don't have work, I don't have this, I don't have that. No, you have a phone. And most of those phones, you can put a message on it. You can download messages. There are too many free messages even available. Even from our website. And there are a, a, a hundred and one or a thousand and one websites that have nice messages. I mean, I, I, now today, I'm hardly ever so hungry that I can't find something to listen to because there are too many available. I can get them all for free. Uh, uh, what excuse do we have? Uh, are you there? Please tell somebody you are without excuse. So can I hear you say God's word is essential? Number three. I found out that praying helps a lot. Praying. Praying helps a lot. You have to dedicate time to being with God, to praying, to, to being in God's presence on a regular basis. I use the word regular, not daily, because I'm, I'm trying to point out to you that daily is great. But you can actually pray more than daily. That is more than once daily, but you can be praying all through the day. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. In fact, the same Corinthian church that he wrote to, he was telling them, he said they were praying too much in tongues. 
said, tongue, 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 tongue. They, 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 they did not come behind in any gift, he said to them. But Paul wrote to the same people and he said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. That is, without stopping. Are you there? So you must be a person of prayer. Go to Jude chapter 20. Jude 20. Are you getting anything this morning? Jude chapter 20. <laughs> Jude verse 20. Okay, some people are with me. Hallelujah. If you have Jude chapter 20 in your Bible, throw it away. Buy another one. Okay. Get rid of that one. We don't know who produced it. Hallelujah. Are you there? Look at it. Verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So, praying helps a lot, and particularly praying in tongues. Praying helps a lot, particularly praying in tongues. Are you with me? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let me read that in the Amplified. It says, But you, verse 20, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress. Can I hear you say, make progress? Rise like an edifice, higher and higher. Can I hear you say, rise like an edifice? Praying in the Spirit. Make progress. Rise like an edifice. Iron higher. Praying in the spirit. Praying helps a lot. Are you there? I remember in those days there was one man, you know, and he, he was in CSC. The truth is that it doesn't really matter how you pray yours, okay? You can pray loud and, and shout and scream. If that's how you do it, fantastic. I'm somewhere in between, I assume, you know, between the... Uh, pray loud and shout and they pray soft and quiet. I had a friend, you know, who would pray on his bed. You know, when we were in medical school, he would stay on the bed and just... And I said, my friend, this thing you are doing is fantastic. If I dare try it... I mean, I do that when, I'm, when I get on the bed. I'm praying in tongues and all of that, but it's a matter of time. I will sleep. Okay? <laughs> so I'm like, how do you do that? That's your quiet time, you know, because of privacy and all of that. So we just turn his back, uh, I mean, face the wall, and just, and he's there one hour, two hours. I say, wow, that is grace. Are you there? But I, I mean, and I've told you about my other friend who's been here, Reverend Abiara. Who would, yaba yaba, yeah, he's here, of course. So. <laughs> so we pray and shout, and, and of course you see the way he does his prayer when he comes. Pray, I want to hear you pray. Well, it's okay. God moves. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but I'm somewhere in between. But then if you read also in your Bible, if you read about Anna, when she went first summer, the Bible says that she was praying. Her mouth was moving, but no words were heard. So the priest thought she was, she was drunk. Okay? And said, hey, woman, go away. Why, why are you here? You are drunk. And she said, no. No, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring out my heart before the Lord. God heard that prayer. She got a son. Are you still there? But however you do it, praying helps a lot. Can I hear you say praying helps a lot? You don't make progress if you don't pray. 
as a Christian. You don't make progress. You must separate time. You must stay in God's presence. Listen, there are too many things that are wrong. There are too many challenges that we face. If you read Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, he said, he told them this parable, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. One says, men ought always to pray and not to give up. Men ought always to pray and not grow weary. So the people that are weary, that are giving up, that are tired of life, usually are not praying. Praying helps a lot. I found out personally that when I'm not praying enough, I'm not spending enough time in God's presence like that, people get on my nerves easily. Are you there? People get on my nerves easily. When you hear, they, 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 you, 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 what, how do they call it? You are pressing my, my nerves. Be, be, what do we say? You are stepping on my toes. Stepping on your toes. Uh, you are... Uh, eh? Yeah, you are getting on my nerves. It's because your nerves are exposed. Uh, are you there? They're exposed. You need to cover them in God's presence. You oftentimes are the problem. The Bible says we should look, I mean, make Jesus our example. Who endured sinners? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? He endured. What he endured was people who, he came here as man, anointed by God, okay? He left his glory according to the Bible. That's all theological. We don't have time to go into it, but that's what it is. Read your Bible. Amen. But while he was here, remember, this is God who decides. I will take on the, the same image and all of that, and I will come and do this. And then while he was here, the creator was being slapped by the created. Are you hearing me? They were putting him on the cross and said, if you are, then come down. He could. Are you, are you with me? Don't for a moment think he couldn't have come down. He could have. He said, look, I lay down my life and I will take it up again. He said, no man takes it from me. When they came to arrest him, he said to the disciples, because they brought out sword. You know, Peter drew his sword, nice sword. And he just went, I'm sure he wanted to cut the guy's head. But the guy dodged, and Peter sliced the guy's hair off. And Jesus took the hair and put it back, and he stopped, like plaster said. Okay? And then he said to them, he said, do you think that I cannot even now call for, is it 12 legions of angels? Do you think even now, if I call now, the angels will come and destroy all these guys? He said, I can't do it now. But he was bearing all of the insults. So he first he stood, they arrested him. He even asked them, he said, I was with you in the temple. Why didn't you arrest me then? You've been seeing me all this while. Why didn't you arrest me? Because they couldn't. Are you still there? Look, they even went to arrest a prophet once. And the, 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 the soldiers came. This man, the captain or whatever he was, came with 50 soldiers. And he said, the king is coming. Come down now. The man said, if I be a man of God, let fire come from heaven and devour you. Fire came down and burnt all of them. A second group came. said, now the king is calling you man of God. Come down. The man said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Fire came down, burnt all of them. The third guy, as soon as he came and he was fired, he was looking at the, the prophet. He said, about one of his don't be me now, just send me. Hey, please, he wants to see you. I beg, don't be me. He had to ask, and God said, go with him, don't worry. Are you, are you there? So Jesus could have done whatever he needed to do. But how was he? You know, what I'm saying is that as even he was going and they arrested him and they were taking him to the cross, they took him before Pilate and all of that, they passed the judgment, then they began to slap him, they, they blindfolded him, then they would slap him. Ah! They said, prophesy. Who slapped you? Who, who did it? As they were doing all of that, that could have enraged him. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? To say, okay, I will show you now. Enough is enough. Oh yeah! And they all go But he knew there was a purpose. And he could bear all of that insult and still when the Bible says like a lamb to the slaughter. How could you do that? You have to have a strong prayer life. Read through your Bible. Look at Luke chapter 6 verse 12. The Bible says he went to pray and he stayed all night in prayer. Are you there? Most of the time, people will like to go for night vigil. But most of us can't do a night vigil on our own. How many people can just get up by yourself and you spend the night in God's presence, praying in tongues, just you, just you. I'm not talking about asking God, because when people run into trouble, they know how to pray like that. When they have trouble now, they will now say, I'm fasting, I will pray from 12 to 3. In the middle of the night. Just asking him, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm talking about just fellowshipping with God. How many people can actually stay there? If we did night video, all these night videos that are filled up, if the night video was just about worshipping God, praying to God, loving Him and all of that, I wonder how many people would be there. If we're not killing any enemies. Are you there? We're not binding any devils. We're just loving God. I wonder how many people will stay. Are you with me? So there was this man that was praying. In those days he would come to our house and, and he was telling us that he would pray. He was a CAC man too. And he would pray. So, and then one day he went to the house and this girl was asking, oh, Uncle, I saw you on television because they had a TV program in their church and he used to interpret for the man of God. So I saw you on television and you were praying. And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, why are you doing like this? Uh, the man said, when you see the trouble of life, you too, you do like this. <laughs> Amen. But look at it, they will say prayer helps a lot. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, of course you know that. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word renew means exchange. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. So they will put down their strength, they will take his own. So how only God knows how many times there have been issues, I'm weighed down, I'm in that presence. I come out encouraged. Why? Because I put down my own. I brought back his own when I came out. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? So even the youth shall faint. Meaning that all of what you depend upon will fail on a good day. But the only people who are predictable, sustainable, consistent, and can stand through any storms are those that pray. Jesus told them in Matthew 26, 41, he said, look, you need to pray. Why? He said, watch and pray. He said, for this, the, 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 uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Are you there? I said, are you there? But I think time is fast spent. Maybe we'll stand. Stand to your feet. I'll continue next time. So remember what we're talking about. That as we progress with God, Colossians chapter 2, 6 to 7, we, we need to make progress with God in our walk with Him. And if we desire to do so, there are certain things that are just essential. No dodging them, they are essential. Number one, your hunger. Your hunger, your hunger, your hunger. One of the things that I do, again, it's very easy for us. Sometimes we start off in life, things are not very great and all of that. Uh, we really pursue God with all of our hearts. But as God begins to balance us out, 
you begin to relax. I've said it before that oftentimes when I go to a church, I'm looking in the choir. You know, they have nice big choir. I'm looking in the choir and all of that. I'm trying to see how many people are married. You know, how many people are married here? Because as people progress in life, now they have a job, now they are married, now they have children, now things are working. They, they, now they are comfortable. They don't have time to be going to the outside. I mean, don't you know they have to do all these other things and, and cook in the house? Is it possible to cook in the house and still serve God? Anybody? So when I'm watching and I'm seeing such people, I'm seeing them in the ocean, I'm seeing them in the choir, I see many people doing all of that. I, I know they are hungry people. There are people who just have a, a hunger for God. Otherwise, there's enough excuses. Many of us just relax as we progress in life and as God, you know, helps us out. We just chill out and we, we, we lose that, that, that hunger. The Word of God is essential. Prayer helps you a lot. I'll read Colossians 2 again now from the Amplified. It says, As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk. Regulate your lives and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to Him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him, fixed and founded in Him, being continually built up, continually, doesn't stop, that's what we're talking about, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. I might want more. I want you to talk to God this morning and tell him I want more. I want more. more. Thanks for listening to this message. Hopefully you have picked something practical to apply for Victorious Living. If you loved this, then please send a message to admin at totalword.org or 090-93-30-32-27 to let us know how this has blessed you. Also, head on to www.totalword.org slash podcasts to listen to more. Stay blessed and refreshed till next time. God bless you.